Tonight I want to talk about our love for God and uh, begin reading in 1 John chapter 4, verse 7. That's page 1324, your Scofield Bible. Verse 7 says, Beloved, let us love one another, for love is of God. Everyone that loveth is born of God and knoweth God. He that loveth not knoweth not God, for God is love. And this was manifested the love of God toward us because that God sent his only begotten son into the world that we might live through him. Herein is love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. Let us pray. Father, I thank you for your word tonight. I thank you for another privilege to preach and I pray you'd help me, Lord, strengthen me physically. Open my mind, God, that you could speak through me. May I rightly divide the word of truth and may uh, the message be a help to us that we might love God more uh, in the future than we have in the past. Bless and have your way in every heart. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, we'd like to get right into the message and talk about the reason that we ought to love God. And we ought to love God because of who God is. In uh, verse 8, he said, He that loveth not knoweth not God, for God is love. Verse 16 says, And we have known and believed the love that God hath to us. God is love, and he that dwelleth in love dwelleth in God, and God in him. He didn't say that God loves, but God is love. It is the very essence, the very nature of God. Have you ever thanked God for who He is? What if God was a tyrant? What if the Bible says God is hate? Where would we be? We certainly would not be here tonight, would we? God is love. God extends grace. He gives mercy. Uh, all these, He's long-suffering. He's patient. And all these wonderful attributes of God arise out of the fact that God is love. You know, the commandments, the Lord Jesus summarized the Ten Commandments and said uh, uh, that, that thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, all thy mind, all thy soul, and all thy strength, and thy neighbor as thyself. On these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. He summarized the whole Old Testament scriptures really uh, in two commandments, to love God and to love one another. You know, if you love God, you're not going to worship idol gods. You're not going to take God's name in vain. You're not going to do those things if you love the Lord. If you love your neighbor, you're not going to kill him. You're not going to steal from him. You're not going to lie on him. And so the Lord was right, wasn't he, when he told us uh, that truth about love. God is love. Sometimes we wonder, how could God love me? Uh, really, the question is, how could God not love me? God cannot do any other. God is love. And because of that, He, 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 it, he extends love uh, to His creation. And the Song of Solomon, chapter 2 and verse 4, His banner over me was love. Ephesians 2, verse 4, But God, who is rich in mercy... For his great love, wherewith he loved us. We're most like God when we show love. Uh, and in 2 Peter 1, 4, 
He says, we have been partakers of the divine nature. We're born very self-centered. We're born very selfish, and we battle with that all of our life. Even though God saves us, we still have the Adam nature. But God puts a divine nature in us, and God gives us the capacity to love and to show love and to demonstrate love. Uh, so uh, this is a wonderful truth. Now, in 1 John four nineteen, he says we love him because he first loved us. Uh, again, the capacity to love is, is born in us by the new birth. When God, do we respond to the love that God has uh, for, for us. And we love him because he first loved us. We didn't love him uh, initially, but God loved us and reached out to us. Why should we love God? Because of who he is. We all love God because of what he did. We saw that this morning, Romans 5, 8, but God commendeth his love toward us and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. You know, we should never get over uh, thanking God for saving us. We should never get used to the fact of being saved. I mean, I could go home tonight and lay down and die. If I die, I'll go to heaven instead of burning in hell forever. That's something to be grateful for. That's something to be thankful for. The Lord Jesus did the greatest thing in the world for me when he died for me on the cross, when he, when he died to save me. And uh, in Romans 5, 8, it explains that. Revelation 1, 5, unto him that loved us and washed us from our sins in his own blood. And so I thank the Lord for that. Doug and I were talking before service there. He's telling about some, some believe that, uh, that you're predestined to heaven or hell where, when you're born. You don't have any choice in the matter. Well, Bible, I don't believe, teaches that. I believe in predestination, but I believe it's according to the foreknowledge of God. God knows who will be saved, who will not be saved. Before he created the earth, he knew that. And the Lord could sit down and write everyone's name down that would be saved. But that doesn't do away with individual choice. The fact of God knowing that, God knows who will choose to be saved, who will choose not to be saved. And he knew that in the beginning, see. Therefore, he can write it down before it happens. But we ought to love God because of who he is. We ought to love God because of what he did. And then we ought to love God because of what he does. Not only did he save us, but the Bible says in 1 John 3, 1, I behold what manner of love the Father hath bestowed upon us that we should be called the sons of God. What a, what a great position that the Lord has brought us into. Now, I do not believe, as the, the Mormon church believes, that you can become God. They believe that you can, uh, you can become a God yourself and create worlds and all this sort of thing. But uh, the Bible teaches that we are sons of God, heirs and joint heirs with Christ in the coming kingdom. And he talks about the love, what manner of love. When we realize what we were, realize where we could have been, that he's brought us into this wonderful position of, of a child of God. Uh, what love he bestowed upon us. In Jeremiah 31, 3, I've loved thee with an everlasting love. We ought to thank him. We ought to love God because of his love for us, his past love for us, his present love for us. Now, why don't we love God? Let's look at some reasons why that we don't love God like we ought to love him. First of all, because of pride. 2 Timothy 3, 2, For men shall be lovers 
of their own selves. You know, we see that demonstrated, don't we? I mean, do we really love our neighbor like we love ourselves? I don't think so. We're commanded to, but do we really? Uh, you know, if, if our neighbor is sick, does it bother us as if we were sick? If our neighbor has a need, does, does it bother us or do we make an effort to minister to that need? Men should be lovers of their own selves. That kind of summarizes mankind. Uh, we're pretty self-centered. And you find in the book of Genesis, that's the basic sin problem. You want to know what the sin nature is about? You find it in Genesis where the devil said to Eve, you shall be as gods knowing good and evil. The reason God doesn't want you to partake of that forbidden fruit, he knows that if you take of it, you'll be just like him. You'll be God. You'll have just as much power as he has. Well, wasn't that what got the devil in trouble initially? He wanted to be God. And he told Adam and Eve, he told Eve there, and Eve led her husband into the sin, but, uh, but says you shall be as gods, knowing good and evil. And in these years, many years now of trying to win people to Christ, uh, the basic reason people do not get saved can be summarized in that one, one statement. They want to be God themselves. Now, they would not say that. If you ask them, do you want to be God? They say, oh, well, certainly not. I don't want to be God. But in reality, the reason a person does not surrender to the authority of God in their life is because they don't want God telling them what to do. They want to do as they please. You know, we struggle with that from the time we're born as a child. The most beautiful, precious little child is a rebel at heart. <laughs> and anyone that's ever had children knows that to be true. I mean, uh, you, can, you can set them down in a, in a room full of toys and say now you can, you can play with all the toys in the room. But there's one thing you cannot have. And they, they have no interest in any toy. The only thing they have an interest in is the one thing you told them they could not have. Isn't that right? And, and you can set two toddlers down in a room of toys and there's all kind of toys to play with and one child has played one toy and the other child wants that toy and they're fighting over that one toy. You know why? Because we have that out of nature. And, and that self-centeredness is born in us. We inherited from our parents. And unless God bursts it out of us, then, uh, then that's the only hope that we have. But that's the reason people don't love God. The Bible said they'd be lovers of their own selves. That would characterize the last days, that men would love themselves. Most everything we do. You read the book of Ecclesiastes there, uh, where Solomon said, I did this and I got me this and I got me that. And, and uh, you know, that's, uh, you know, this toy and this thing to, to satisfy me and make me happy and give me pleasure and this thing I do for me and myself and I. And, and uh, that's the basic problem with man. Well, not only is it pride, but it's also pleasure. Second Timothy 3, verse 4, there be lovers of pleasure more he didn't say that all pleasure was wrong. Pleasure becomes wrong when we love that more than we love God. Whatever your hobby is, whatever you like to do, 
If that comes between you and serving God, if you like that more than you love the Lord, then it becomes a sin. It becomes a wicked thing. But we live in that day, don't we? You think of all the money that's spent on pleasure. You know, it's, it's, it's just amazing. Lovers of pleasure more than lovers of God. You know, you can spend a fortune on hunting supplies. You ever notice that? You know when I like to buy it? When Walmart marks it down. <laughs> when they mark it down from $10 to a dollar. That's when I like to get it. Can't always do that. But that is true of fishing supplies or sports equipment or, or whatever a person is interested in. Lovers of pleasure more than lovers of God. If I love that more than I love, you know, the Lord that's provided for my eternity, then there's something wrong in there. Something wrong with my relationship to God and my love life for the Lord. And then a uh, third reason is the pocketbook. 1 Timothy 6, verse 10, for the love of money is the root of all evil. He didn't say that money was the root of all evil. The Bible does not say that money is wrong. The Bible said the love of money is the root of all evil. Like a fellow that, uh, that uh, his whole ambition in life was to become a millionaire. He said, I finally attained. That was, in fact, I was listening to some program today and they were talking about how many millionaires there were in the United States. It, I was amazed. This run up in the stock market. And in fact, I lost a lot of money in the stock market. It went up and I didn't have any. <laughs> but, uh, but the fellow that made a million dollars, he, he, said, uh, he said, I thought I'd be happy and I thought I'd be satisfied if I could be, make that million dollars. But he said, after I made it, I wanted the second million twice as bad as I won the first. I've just give up on my first million. I think I'll just start on the second. But anyway, the pocketbook, the love of money, isn't that what drives? You know why we have a drug problem? If you took the money out of it, it would eliminate the problem. It's money that drives it. And, and it drives everything in society. The love of money is a root of all evil. Whatever it is, it has its roots. It has its foundation in money. And money can be a good thing, but money can be a curse and a hindrance. Well, uh, these are the reasons people don't love God. Let me, let me talk about the revelation of love. You say, I love the Lord. Well, if we love God, it's going to reveal itself. In John 14, 15, if you love me, keep my commandments. Keep my commandments. What is love? Love demonstrates a revelation of love is obedience. A person says, a child may say, I love my parents. God says, obey them. Do what they tell you to do. If you love them, obey them. That's the commandment. That's one of the Ten Commandments, in fact. You say, well, we're not on the law. Oh, but that, we're under the moral law, and that's carried right over in the New Testament. We reveal our love when we obey. And First uh, uh, John 2, verse 5 says, but whoso keepeth his word in him verily is the love of God perfected. Hereby, we, hereby know we that we are in him. And then in 1 John 5 and verse 3, For this is the love of God that we keep his commandments. His commandments are not grievous. You know, God's on our side. His commandments are not hard. His commandments are, are for our good, for our benefit. 
And the Bible says if you love the Lord, then obey the Lord. Obedience reveals our love. And uh, we are to obey God. We're to obey His commandments. And He tells husbands, love your wives, even as Christ loved the church. He tells the wife to uh, obey the husband. And this reveals love. We reveal our love by obedience to the Lord. We reveal our love by obedience to others. In uh, uh, John 13, 35, or by, by, we reveal our love by showing it to others, rather. In John 13, 35, By this shall all men know that you're my disciples, if you have love one to another. How do we show the world that, we, that we're a child of God? We show it by loving one another. That's the reason the devil delights in causing confusion in churches. I, I talked to someone some, some year, years ago now, two or three years ago or so. He said, sooner or later, every church will have their problems. And you mark it down. As sure as there's a devil that's alive, he's going to try to hinder the work of God. And how does he do it? He do, does it through division and causing people to, to fuss and fight with one another. But Jesus said, people will know you're my disciples if you have love one to another. Don't you think the devil knows that? Don't you think the devil is familiar with the Bible? He knows the Bible better than we do. Remember when he tempted the Lord on the Mount of, Mount of Temptation there? He quoted scripture. He misquoted it a lot of times there. But he, he gave him scripture. And so he knows, he knows that. He knows that if we love one another, people will know that we're saved and be, want to be saved themselves. So he does everything he can to keep that from being demonstrated. In 1 John 4, verse 7, Beloved, let us love one another, for love is of God. Everyone that loveth is born of God and knoweth God. Verse 11, Beloved, if God so loved us, we ought also to love one another. Verse 20 and 21, If a man say, I love God, and hateth his brother, he's a liar. For he that loveth not his brother whom he hath seen, how can he love God whom he hath not seen? And this commandment have we from him, that he who loveth God love his brother also. You know, I've had people say, well, I'll never forgive them. After what they've done for me, I'll never forgive them. I hate them. Oh, I hate them. Well, you need to read this scripture. I hope nobody here tonight is like that, but... Uh, but he said, if you, hate, if you say, I love God and hate your brother, you're a liar. You can't love God and hate me or hate any other Christian. And so uh, we love God. The Lord said, love God, then love one another. Revelation, we reveal our love by obedience. We reveal it to others by showing our love to one another. Then let's notice the rewards of love loving God. First of all, there is assurance. In 1 John 4, 18, There is no fear in love, but perfect love casteth out fear, because fear hath torment. He that feareth is not made perfect in love. And then in 1 John 3, verse 14, We know that we pass from death unto life, because we love the brethren. He that loveth not his brother abideth in death. How do you know you're saved? Because you love God's people. You love the people of God. You love other Christians. And this gives you assurance. And it casts out fear. And it's a wonderful thing to have peace and have assurance. And say, if I die tonight, I'm not afraid. Now, if you're saved tonight, and if the thoughts of dying bothers you, and it may bother you, 
People say, well, if you're really saved, it won't bother you. Well, I don't know about that. You know, the devil's still trying to cause turmoil, isn't he? But I heard one preacher say one time, and I think I agree with him. He said, if you're really saved and, and, and it bothers you, it's probably a good indication you're not going right now. <laughs> and I've, I've seen that because I believe when the time comes, God will give the peace and the assurance and he'll remove the fear. In fact, I've seen that happen. I've been around people that's died, a lot of people over the years now. And God's grace is sufficient. And you don't have to worry about that. You don't have to be concerned about it. If you're saved, you know absolutely you're saved. When that time comes, God will be everything you need and more. And you don't have to be concerned about it. I believe that. I believe he gives peace. I believe he gives assurance. But he says, the love of God casts us out fear. You know, fear, the devil uses fear, doesn't he? He uses fear in trying to witness for Christ. You ever, you ever, you ever try to witness for Christ, but you're afraid and you're, you're back, kind of shy and backward about it? Oh, the devil likes to do that. He likes to use that fear of man. And so uh, the rewards of loving God is assurance. Then in Romans 8, 28, and this is a... A scripture I think that is misused a lot of times. Let's turn there and look at it. Romans 8, 28, page 1202. Romans uh, 8, 28, page 1202. And we know that all things work together for good. There's no period there right yet. Notice that. And we know that all things work together for good to them that love God to them who are the called according to his purpose. For whom he did foreknow, he also did predestinate to be conformed to the image of his Son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. That's a good verse there. It's talking about predestination a while ago. Whom he foreknew. Notice, whom he did foreknow, he predestinated. See, God knows the future now. But anyway, the verse 28, all things work together for good. To what? To them that love God. He didn't say all things work together for good for everybody. He said, things work together for good to them that love the Lord. If you love God, God's going to make sure everything works together for good. Didn't say everything is going to be good that happens in your life. But God can bring good out of tragedy, can't he? And God can make, make something bad turn out to be good and something that will bring glory and honor to Jesus Christ. If I could use the illustration of Sandy. Her cancer certainly is a bad thing. But if God heals her, that can be a good thing and can bring a lot of glory to God, see. See, God can turn that thing around. God can use it for His glory and for His honor and bring good out of it, even though it's a terrible tragedy. But, uh, and not only her, but many others as well that's suffered the same thing. All things work together for good to them that love God. I believe that. And uh, even those that God takes on to heaven, he brings good out of it. I've known of people being saved. Uh, as I mentioned this morning, the illustration about the, the little boy that was accidentally shot and his, brought his drunken daddy to Jesus Christ and resulted in his salvation. So in that tragedy, God brought good out of it, didn't he? And uh, the devil means it for evil, but God 
Uh, it's kind of like uh, convenient for good. Kind of like the story of Joseph. Isn't that Joseph's testimony there about his brothers? He says, you meant it for evil, but God meant it for good. Think of what God did there in the life of Joseph. His brothers hated him. They sold him into slavery. He became a servant to Potiphar there. And his Potiphar's wife tried to seduce him and then lied on him. Got thrown in prison. And, and uh, he interpreted the dream there and then was forgotten. And it seemed that everything in the life of Joseph went wrong. It seemed like his life, his life was filled with tragedy and heartache and disappointments. And yet, it all ended up real well, didn't it? You know what God's trying to tell us, I think, with that story? He's not only teaching us lessons in this life, but I believe he's telling us the end's going to end up just fine. <laughs> we may have a hard road down here, but I'll tell you, it all ends good. I, I've read the last chapter, and thank God it ends well. All things work together for good to them that love God. If I, I, the important thing, I just need to make sure I love God. Isn't that right? I just need to make sure that I'm loving the Lord. If I'm in love with Him, if I love the Lord, then God said, I'm going to make sure that all things work together for your good. Now, if I get out of the will of God, then I don't think I can claim that promise, can I? I quit walking with God. Then the... I may have some tragedy that won't turn out for my good. It may turn out for my bad or my chastisement, which, of course, ultimately would turn out for my good and God's glory. But all things work together for good to them that love God. And then, thirdly, a crown of life. In James 1:12, Blessed is a man that endureth temptation, for when he is tried, he shall receive the crown of life, which the Lord hath promised to them that love him. You know, the crown of life is the martyr's crown, but James expands on it and says uh, it's the Lord has promised it to them that love him and those that endure temptation. And we're all going to be tempted. Christ was tempted in all points like as we are yet without sin. The Bible said if we endure temptation, the Lord said, I'll give you a crown of life. I think he has in mind those that are martyred, those that have faced death rather than compromise with the devil uh, to save their life. And that happened to thousands and thousands of people in days gone by. But the rewards of loving God is a crown of life. Well, uh, Matthew chapter 24 and verse 12 explains uh, the, uh, this day in which we will live these last days because iniquity shall abound, the love of many shall wax cold. The Lord said the thing that would characterize the last days and the tribulation period would be a love that would wax cold. That's what happened to the early church, Ephesus. The Lord says you've left your first love. He didn't say you lost it, uh, but you left your first love. And so uh, the love of many would wax cold. And we live in that time, I believe that. Iniquity abounding. Sin abounded. You know, you just turn on the television. You have a lot of criticism of television, and I think rightly so, no doubt. But you know why television is like it is? You know what they, you know what governs television? Money. Back to that verse, the love of money is the root of all evil. They're after one thing. 
Sailing. You know what the most popular show on television is now? You know what it is, don't you? What's, this, what's it called? Who wants to be a millionaire? <laughs> right? It's all about money. It's all about ratings. And there's a lot of criticism about, about the ungodliness and all that's on it. But you know why it's on it? Because that's what sells. And it's a thermometer of our society. Tragically, it reveals the human heart. It reveals the sin that pervades our society. That's what's happened. And I'll tell you, if it does that, and I believe it does, we're not in too good a shape, are we? And many of you see it not only on TV, but you see it in the workplace. You see all the sin that goes on, and we don't see half of it. <laughs> you think of what goes on under the cover of darkness. You think what goes on that nobody knows about. God knows about it, doesn't he? I was talking to some folks this week about that. And, uh, you know, the Lord's watching, isn't he? A lot of times we forget. God sees it all. God knows it all. Someone's talking to me about devil worshipers. You think of that in San Francisco or places like that. You don't think of devil worshipers in McDowell County, do you? But they're here. They're around. And so iniquity will abound. The love of many shall wax cold. Uh, Ivan just gave me an article I was reading there for service written by a parent of a child that was killed at Columbine. I'll try to share that with you a little later. But uh, as he testified, I think, before Congress there and explaining, and you know, of course, when that happened, oh, what we need to do is get rid of all the guns. Get rid of all the guns. I'd take care of all the problems. Well, uh, others in the past have tried that and it didn't solve all their problems. Uh, but uh, the problem and what that father testified, problems in here, it, that's where the problem is. Problem is the person behind the gun. <laughs> but anyway, he said the problem is inside. The problem is the heart. There's where the problem is. And he talked about what we need is love. I can't remember all, I just read it quickly there. Uh, what we need is love for one another, love in our heart for other people. That's what we need. See, if you love people, you ain't going to go around, around shooting them, go take a gun, guns to school and start blowing people away. I mean, if you, if you love people, you're not going to do that. But when you take the Word of God out, see, when you throw the Bible out the door and uh, say you can't pray anymore, and, Lord, get out. We don't want you. We don't need you. Get out of here. Then they wonder why we got the problems we got. Well, and I was telling the fellow about this, these devil worshipers, you know. How could people do that? I'll tell you how people do it. They, they listen to rock music, start using drugs, then they get possessed by devils, demons, and then they are controlled by those devils. That's what happens. The Bible speaks about sorcery. The Bible speaks about drug using. 
and uh, that would happen in the last days. Well, uh, I think it would shock us probably of what goes on with many of our representatives. We'd, we'd, be, we'd be amazed. In fact, there's open, avowed homosexuals in, in, in Congress. Well, I could go on and on. How'd I get off on all that? Talking about iniquity abounding. And it's because of a lack of love, the love of many shall wax cold. Let's bow our heads, please.